This is Ty Cats Today. Yes, it is Ty Cats Today for a Tuesday, August the 31st, 2021. It's your digital host, Louis B. Thanks for tuning in to the Ty Cats Audio Network, wherever you get your podcasts. Very much appreciate it. Uh, last day of August. You know what that means? It means we're one step closer to the Labor Day Classic. Just six short days until we get to welcome fans back to Tim Hortons Field. Uh, man, it has felt like forever, and and really, 659 days uh, does feel like forever in, in the last year and a half that we've had. So can't wait to see fans back here at Tim Hortons Field. Can't wait to see the Ticats back on the field. Uh, they have yet to practice since their 27-10 to 10 win over the Alouettes on Friday night. So they'll return to the practice field tomorrow. So I don't really have anything to bring you from practice. I mean, guys were here. Guys are working out. Guys are doing their thing. But uh, no official practices for the Ticats until tomorrow. So no news from practice. But uh, there is some big news. And we'll get to that in just a second. Also coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by the uh, CFL on TSN's Rod Smith. Uh, he was on the call on Friday night's game, and he also has a couple of Labor Day classic memories to share himself. So looking forward to talking to him. And also excited to be joined by Amanda Ruler. Amanda Ruler, you might not know her name now, uh, but you definitely will one day. Uh, she was named to the uh, coaching staff. She was named an assistant coach to uh, Stefan Potasik's McMaster Marauders football team. So she's joining the uh, 2019 Yates Cup champion Marauders. She has uh, an, just an incredible resume. Uh, she's a sports performance coach. She's trained CFL athletes, youth sports athletes. She's played football herself. Uh, so she's got a great story and very much looking forward to uh, speaking with her about her, her new role with the McMaster Marauders uh, getting set to uh, get training camp underway this week are the Marauders. So uh, exciting to be a football fan in Hamilton and I think you know I am sad it's the last day of August of course you know it kind of means summer is uh, winding down the days are getting shorter but I mean there is really nothing like football in the fall in Hamilton uh, whether it's the Ticats whether it's the Marauders that chill in the air uh, very much looking forward to uh, to the next few months here of course and it helps when the Ticats are winning which they did on Friday night as it was a 27-10 victory. And yesterday, I'd kind of tweeted that I'd be shocked if uh, Frankie Williams wasn't named a CFL top performer. I didn't have any inside information. I just kind of looked at what he did and looked at who had won the award earlier in the season and you know, kind of put two and two together. Thankfully, today, I am not shocked as uh, it was announced that Frankie Williams wasn't just named a top performer, he was named the top performer in the CFL in week four after his uh, huge game on defense, on uh, kick returners, um, just uh, a fantastic performance and a well-deserved top performer uh, honor given to Frankie Williams. Uh, he played so well on Friday night. A man who called the game so well on Friday night is the CFL on TSN's Rod Smith, who was in the booth. And uh, Rod, Labor Day is just uh, six short days away. And really, there is something special about Labor Day in Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field. There really is. And you're right. I've seen a few of these, Louie. Going back to 1988 was my first at Old Iverwind Stadium. And I know you remember the name Earl Winfield and one of my favorite Ticats ever. And 
And Earl had such an amazing game in 1988 against the Argos on that Labor Day Monday when he, I think he had over 400 yards combined. He returned to kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown. He returned to punt for a touchdown. He also had a receiving touchdown in that game and uh, lots of drama as well. But you're right. Um, there, there's so many memorable ones, including the one uh, four years ago in 2017. Yeah, and uh, the the first player in CFL history to score uh, three different ways in a game was that Earl Winfield right. game. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm talking to Chris Cuthbert later this week, and uh, his first game was also a Labor Day classic in, uh, in 1991. So I'm sure he's got some stories. Let's talk about that 20, mm-hmm. uh, the 2014, that first one here at, uh, at Tim Hortons Fields. Um, the delays and, uh, you know, the, the team wasn't doing as well as they wanted to, but uh, – Bakari Grant's touchdown will live in infamy here in this building, uh, but uh, a, a classic, classic moments all around here uh, in this building on Labor Day. There are. So there's that one. And yes, in 2017, I remember the panel was on site when there was a weather delay of over two hours. And the Ticats went into that game, I believe 0-6. And, and June Jones had taken over as head coach for Kent Austin. And that game was memorable for all sorts of reasons. One was the long weather delay. I remember we were interviewing Randy Ambrosi, who was there just as the new commissioner, uh, about how long they could go before calling this game. Just then a bolt of lightning, you know, cracked and <laughs> scared some people while we were doing the interview. Um, but they ended up playing that again, and the Ticats came back, and they ended up winning it. And I also thought that, was a significant uh, game in terms of uh, uh, marking um, a new way for the Ticats because with June Jones taking over, he made Jeremiah Masoli a starting quarterback over Zach Kolaros. And he turned Brandon Banks from a special teams guy, basically a return guy, and made him a receiver. And Banks was the leading receiver in that game. I think he had nearly 100 yards. And, and from there, they didn't look back from there on. They had made that change. And uh, it was certainly a significant one for Speedy B um, in his career because at that point, it looked like he was in a bit of a tailspin. So I remember that, uh, that Labor Day classic for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, and, and the June Jones era in Hamilton was certainly not the longest we've seen, no. but it, it certainly left an impact on this team that we still feel to this day. Definitely. I agree. And, and, and in part because of those decisions uh, going to Masoli at quarterback and especially the, the transformation of Brandon Banks. Let's talk about the quarterback because you were on the mic on, uh, on uh, Friday night's game in Montreal and uh, Jeremiah Masoli was dealing with a, uh, an issue, an injury. Uh, so Dane Evans gets the start and uh, hearing Glenn Suter talk about it uh, yesterday, he said, if you look at the numbers, it was a pretty, it, you would have thought it was a pretty pedestrian effort from, uh, from Dane Evans, but the numbers don't tell the whole story on what we saw from him on, on Friday night. No, they certainly don't. And those numbers, what, 15 to 22, 183 yards, two touchdown passes, also, very importantly, no picks in a game that was very, very light on turnovers with the one big exception, the interception by Frankie Williams that really, you know, helped change things around or, or seal the deal really for the Ticats. But you're right. I thought Dane Evans looked very good. The, the, I guess if there was only one thing he could talk about in the negative, he was sacked six times, which speaks to a few things. And, and I know there have been obviously some changes up front because of injuries on the, on the offensive line for the Ticats. But I thought Evans looked good and, and very poised in that first drive. We didn't know much. No one really knew much about what to expect from Stephen Dunbar. And I thought that touchdown, four plays into the game, was brilliant on both ends. I thought it was a beautiful pass by Evans and, and just great play. Savvy, you know, veteran-looking receiver in Stephen Dunbar with the way he uh, he caught that and he stayed in bounds. So um, 
no, that it definitely it it it, it bodes well for a team to have uh, really two starting quarterbacks as the Tie Cats have, and that certainly showed in Montreal. That's such a great point on uh, the awareness of Stephen Dunbar Jr. playing in his first CFL game. I just got to get one toe in, you know. He might have been thinking, you know, NFL mindset, college football right. mindset. I got to get two feet in. But knowing uh, the rules and, and, and how this game is played, that's a great point, Rod. Um, I, I do want to talk about uh, the defense of this Ticats because uh, I, I, loved, I loved Glenn uh, just getting in the lookout ahead of the, uh, ahead of the Frankie Williams touchdown. And I guess that's yeah. the benefit of working with the pro like Glenn Sue. Uh, kind of calling those plays and seeing them ahead of time. Uh, but uh, that Ticats defense, they're secondary, even without Dylan Wynn, even without Ja'Garrett Davis. They mm-hmm. looked really good against a, a potent a potent uh, Montreal offense. Yeah, they did. And I thought Eddie Wilson and Malik Carney played well. I mean, uh, but you're right. When you're missing Dylan Wynn and you're missing Ja'Garrett Davis, and, you're, and, and they were able to get some heat uh, on Vernon uh, Adams as well. And, and, and regarding uh, Frankie Williams, and what you could see, and especially you noticed on the replay that um, Vernon didn't look, you know, he, he didn't look anybody off. He didn't look Frankie Williams off, certainly on that. He, he, was, he was looking that way. He was targeting his receiver the whole time. And, you know, savvy veteran Frankie Williams jumps the route. Perfect timing. And uh, that, was a, that was a great play. But I agree with you. That defense made it very difficult on a Montreal offense that at times – can look very good, but they can also struggle. And and uh, the Ticats certainly brought that out in Montreal last Friday night. And one more before this, do you think the Ticats put the rest of the league on, like, I don't want to say on notice, but do you think that was a good reminder that, hey, we're still the Ticats? And and considering their 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 strength of schedule was was against them. I mean, they're they're in yeah. they're in Winnipeg to to see the banner raise. They're in Saskatchewan for their home opener. They're in Montreal for their home opener. I mean, that's not an easy way to start a season. Uh, do you think the Ticats kind of sent a message to the rest of the league with that win on Friday? Well, they certainly did if people were getting the idea that they were not close to being as good as 2019. And they've changed so much. And that's something, you know, I think a lot of us have failed to consider that, you know, they had, what, 19 um, players on their roster, on their active roster that had never been in the CFL before. And I think 21 that had not been Ty Cats in 2019. So, I mean, they've been making that point. I remember Ted Laurent was making that point. 2019, that was two years ago. So that was then. This is now. And yet, I think it would have been too early to write that team off after going to Winnipeg, you know, with all the emotion of the first CFL game back, going to Saskatchewan, no easy place to play, especially the Riders right now, by record, the number one team in the CFL, um, that you're right, that's a tough way to start the season. And so I think it'd be Far too soon anyway. I wanted to see what they'd do in Montreal, and they answered a few questions. They're still obviously a very good team, and the Argos have improved, so that makes that Labor Day Monday game that much more important. But um, did they send a message? I guess they, they certainly sent a message to anyone who was doubting them. Um, I just don't know. I just think it was too early uh, to doubt them. I think there were some surprises um, on the offense being ineffective uh, out west, but you're right. When they... They still haven't played a home game yet. And once you see a team at home, especially in a big one like on Labor Day, I think you get a much better idea what they're made of. Rod, I appreciate you guys spending some time uh, with, with your insights this afternoon. Thank you. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on, Louis. Great to talk to you again. That is the CFL on TSN's Rod Smith, and always love catching up with him. And he was on the call on Friday night's game alongside Glenn Suter. 
And speaking of Glenn Suter, uh, yesterday, brand new episode of the CFL This Week dropped. Uh, Bubba O'Neill was joined by Glenn Suter and Brody Lawson and Steve Milton. And it was a a really, really good conversation on a lot of different topics, including, um, uh, you know, the Ticats bounce back win and uh, the offensive struggles across the league and if you haven't checked it out already uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast after you're done uh, make sure to go find uh, that one the tie cats this week a couple of changes to this week's schedule of the coach o show uh, is actually going to drop tomorrow now and uh, on today's uh, drop you can find speaking with the enemy very pleased to have been joined by uh, natea j now a broadcaster with the toronto argonauts so uh, go check that out wherever you get this podcast all right we're very excited that the tie cats are coming back but we're also very excited that our friends down the road the mcmaster marauders are getting set to get underway as well stefan Batasic and his uh, marauders are set to start their training camp this week and uh, will start their season on september the 18th so just a few short weeks away and they'll have a new face on the coaching staff as uh, they added assistant coaches Taylor McIntyre and Amanda Ruler. And I am very pleased to be joined by Amanda Ruler now. And uh, Amanda, between uh, I, I, uh, between the season starting and the CFL kicking in high gear, it's got to be a very busy but uh, exciting time for you now. Oh, so exciting. I went up to Hamilton uh, because we had mini camp and I got to meet all the staff and some of the athletes. And it was amazing to just be immersed in Marauder football for that short time. I'm actually on the road heading back to Hamilton full time for the season. So I'm really excited to get right into business and let's get into football. Let's go. Um, tell us how this opportunity came about for you. Um, how, how did you get involved, uh, I guess, in football originally and now here with McMaster? I love that you asked that because a lot of women you don't see liking football. So how did I get involved? As a young athlete, I said to my father when I went to CFL games, can I play football, Dad? He said, you can do anything the boys can do. So I ended up playing a little football when I was young, and then I got into football within the States. I actually drove to Los Angeles and did an open tryout for the Legends Football League. Being Canadian, they actually just said, no, you're too short because I'm actually five foot tall five foot zero tall okay. and they said no but i had a the fastest 40 i ran a 475 and i said you know what i'm just going to show up so i showed up at the practices and i pushed my way on the team because i had such a love for football and i ended up making the team after that and i played in the states for the los angeles temptations and i played for the atlanta steam then i pushed my way onto team canada again they said i don't know if you could play I started as a backup and I ended up um, being one of the third string starters. So it was, it was very cool to push my way on both teams and, and never give up and never say no. And from there, I've been training athletes my entire life. I started training football players when I was on the track team. A lot of the Rams athletes that are now into bigger positions within the NFL, which is really cool to see them go forward, like Savon Campbell and Akeem Hicks. And from there, I saw there was a women's apprenticeship opportunity within McMaster. And this is what frustrates me about the Canadian football culture altogether. There's no internships for women at all, not youth sport, not high school, not DFL. And that's what I want to do with this program. I applied for it. I interviewed and I heard back from the coaches that they've never done an interview process before. Because a lot of the time when you, when you have someone, especially in football, it's the next man up. 
It's someone you've played with. It's someone that has played. Maybe it's your best bud that has taught high school level. It's never let's have an interview and see what the potential candidates are out, are out there. And I'm so excited they put this in place and especially the women's apprenticeship. So now I have an opportunity to showcase my skills and show you what I have because along my journey, I've just volunteered and volunteered and volunteered and coached people. I had to start my own football business in SAS because no one would let me coach full time and I didn't understand it. And I was told to my face, it's because I'm a woman. And I mean, it, we want to get to the point where it's not, a, it's not a story, right? I mean, we want to get to the point where it's not a, a woman's, a women uh, a coaching apprenticeship. It's just a coaching apprenticeship and you're mm-hmm. looked at equally as a candidate. What, what can we do? Like us in the media, people who watch football, people who are football fans, what kind of responsibilities do we have to get more people like you to get more girls involved in the sport? What, what can we do? I think with this opportunity and this role, I really want to break those barriers for women because a lot of them are afraid to go forward because this is such a cutthroat industry. I had to push back many times I was pushed down. And, and if someone was not as strong as me, they would have, they would have quit. But I had this not, no quit attitude. I think growing up, I had fortunate to have amazing parents, but share the stories of the women that are trying to get into the industry give us an equal opportunity. I'm not saying hire a woman because of me being a woman and for diversity, that is not what I'm saying is give us a chance to interview, give us a chance to volunteer. I want to encourage more internships for women and diversity. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a woman specifically. Just make sure you're, you're considering all the candidates out there. And if we are a good fit, please bring us on. Because I want to see more of that going forward. I don't see any representation and women are afraid. That's all I hear is women are so excited for me to get started because they've been afraid to take the next step in football. They've been afraid to ask to volunteer. They, and and I, I want to eliminate that fear by sharing these stories and making sure women feel more comfortable in the field. A lot of the time I was put down because of my gender. I want to eliminate that. I want you to share the story because Along the way, I don't want men to keep asking, oh, you can really coach the guys. Will they respect you? Will they respond to you? Heck yeah, they will, because I built up such a reputation as an athlete and as a coach that they know I can hang with the boys and I can make this a career opportunity for myself. Well said. Well said, Amanda. Um, let's talk about this McMaster team because they are, they are a very talented group. Uh, you know, they're, 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 I mean, a year away from football is tough for just about anybody, but uh, knowing Steph, knowing the coaching staff, getting to go through minicamp, you got to be excited about uh, what this team can do this season. Oh my goodness. Just hanging with the boys at minicamp so far, great athletes and amazing human beings. That's what I, that's what I want to leave with these athletes as I want to coach them up, but I want to make sure they leave better people than they came to the field for, right? One thing I can bring to the table is as a female athlete, I was never paid. So I can show them how to be good human beings off the field and brand themselves to make, to market and, and potentially make it a career for themselves if they totally want to. But this team looks amazing. I'm working with the running backs this season and they're looking pretty good so far. I tell you that they're looking explosive. They're looking fast. I'm also helping out with special teams and I'm going to be doing some strength and conditioning because that's where my bread and butter is at. Because like I said, I compete in Olympic lifting, so I will be on the boys to get their lifts in. 
Well said. Um, Amanda, you have an open invitation on this program. Anytime you want to talk football, anytime you want to talk about McMaster or the CFL, and yes, maybe even when the riders come to town, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back on here. Thank you so much for doing this. Great to, great to meet with you and great to chat. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. That is Amanda Ruler, and uh, wow, just absolutely incredible. A name that uh, if you don't know now... Uh, you're going to know very soon, and uh, the passion she brings to uh, to this sport and to McMaster. It's obviously going to be very exciting, and a, a reminder, the McMaster Marauders getting set to open their season September 18th against the uh, Western Mustangs. So there's going to be a lot of football in Hamilton coming up very shortly, of course. The big, big game, the Labor Day Classic, just a few short days away, and uh, we cannot wait for that one, I know I can't. Um, you know, I'm hoping I'm speaking for the other uh, 15,000 or so that will be in the building. Uh, cannot wait for the Ticats uh, to be back here. Uh, all this week, of course, we're continuing our uh, talk on Labor Day Classic, so uh, make sure to tune in. Thank you for tuning in today to the Ticats Audio Network. This has been Ticats Today. I'm Louis B. Hoping you have a great day.